The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. I love how uh, Janet Jackson's ode to, um, uh, oh my God, what is it? what what is the artist's name? Um, where did that come from? <laughs> Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired than Mr. Stark? Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram and threads. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the Borough of Kings. Brooklyn be the place where certain things. For as long as threads last, which is probably why I won't be doing it too often. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I, my, uh, my biggest qualm with threads, I think I said this on, on last week's episode, but if not, I really hope that they update the app so that you can access multiple accounts through the app because I have one for my personal and one for, you know, agent underscore 70. And it's kind of annoying that I literally have one based on one device and one based on another. Come on. You can do it in Instagram. You should be able to do it in threads. So yeah, it's the same. Co- well, you know, it's a new thing. It's the same company. They gotta, they gotta make it go down the line first. I was about <laughs> to say, it's like the six million dollar man. The technology exists, so. right? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, let's get out the door first, and then we'll start rolling that stuff out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yes, you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. As far as I know, not on Threads. Do it today. You could also find this on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and leave us all the positive five-star reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I don't know why I did that, but we'll see if that works. Uh, yeah, you could also find us uh, streaming every Thursday night, most times 9.30 Eastern Standard Time uh, on the Coles, I was about to say, well, <laughs> that's not right, um, on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation, that's youtube.com slash The Click Nation, and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Again, please hit like, subscribe, and leave us all the positive reviews, and hit that notification button so that you know when we are broadcasting live and recording. We are on kick, but I haven't really um, 
pulled the trigger on adding that into the mix just yet. I need to still kind of weed that place out just a little. So stay tuned for that one. But yes, right now we are going to get into um, a little bit of uh, talk about the the penultimate uh, episode of Marvel's Secret Invasion, which is uh, named Harvest. Yes, and for good reason. Right, so I like. Listen, at the end of the day, it's not the comics; it's an adaptation. What I like about this is that it is a clever reimagining of the eventual Super Scroll program. Right, mm. it's not how we came to know of the concept of Super Scrolls or even Power Scrolls, but I like that you know this is in fact. Um, how they're introducing the concept. And I like that uh, this episode really does lay out why or how Gravik may have come up with the concept for this. You know, there's a lot of paying off that happens, at least story-wise, in this episode. There is a setup, though, for what seems to be a reveal in the last episode, maybe a guest appearance. Um, I'll say that, you know, I, I have to be amongst the people who are at least whelmed. I'm not overwhelmed. I am not underwhelmed by this show. I am whelmed. You know, it's, it's okay. And, you know, I think that the production value ramps up in this. I think that, um, what's the actress, uh, the British actress who does Fa Sonia Fallsworth? Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. She is the best part of the show. Every she's time she is, yes, she's having a ton of fun. Every time she's on screen, I can't help but be drawn in. Mm -hmm. Can't help it. It's, you know, she's so good. Yeah, she's a lot of people's uh, favorite, including myself, because, yeah, she's just like, she just seems like she's just having fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and given, because I looked through her her um, her 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 filmography, and I was like, because I don't know, I have seen her somewhere in, in in something else before, and she has done a lot of Thomas uh, Thomas the Train Engine apparently voicing. Okay. Uh, but from what I've actually seen her in was Hot Fuzz, the uh, the Edgar Wright movie with uh, Simon Pegg, which right, I right, right, right. I have not watched it, but I know of it. Right, so I was like, okay, now, and and immediately when I saw it, I was like, I remember her character, and now everything just kind of comes back, like, yes, now I see where it comes from. <laughs> uh, not to say she's she, uh, that she played a similar character, but it's like, yeah, okay, I, I see, I I see, uh, some things from that character into this one. Right, so it makes it makes some kind of sense, but otherwise that. Um, we also get a little bit of action in this uh, particular episode. Well, not that we haven't, because we got some last uh, last episode. But you know, we got a little, um, little another little action movie sequence with a, a couple of side characters. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, we got basically, well, one Fury gearing up to uh, to go into the Marvels as uh, in a way. But also just gearing up for the final battle in itself. So I guess we're supposed to be led to be, we're led to believe that this is the Fury of old because he's back in it now mm -hmm. because of because of uh, uh, what happens in the ear. And uh, as Agent Seventy alluded to, 
Yeah, I don't know if we're, I don't know. There's been a lot of speculation as to uh, what was the end result of what happens at the end, not the spoiling thing, because again, the thing just came out yesterday. Right. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that who, that is who uh, a lot of people think want to, wants to believe it is. Like I'm thinking it might be, uh, like I'm thinking Marie Hill's probably just gonna come back. That's probably it. Gonna, yeah, that's probably know. it. That's probably it. My, that, you know, I, I, I would say that it's even money that it's her. That this has been a ruse all along. Right now, we are. Will we get something at the end of the um, at the end of the, the next uh, final episode that will definitely cement uh, going into the Marvels? Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, will it be Will it be in the episode or uh, an in credit scene? I'm likely thinking uh, in credit scene if we put if I'm putting down bets on it. Right. But there might be something in the middle of it that's just kind of sp- sprinkling. It's like, yeah, okay, this thing, and and then it. You know, I get a little something of a more of a reveal at the end or something. Mm-hmm. Who's to say? Mm-hmm. We might not get anything at all. That's the, that's the funny part about it. It's like it is not outside the realm of possibilities. It's like no, nah, it's not going to be anything like unless it's something a blinking you miss thing that that are calls to what is where he's going to be next. And you know, we, we're just left left to our own devices. Right. We don't know. Right. So most people recognize Olivia Coleman from The Crown. I never watched that. So yes. You know, uh, and she was she was in the second season of The Bear, which I did watch, which is excellent, by the way. I saw that, yeah. Which yeah, I was like, I never, I have not seen that. But and I knew she was in a Crown, but just like a, like you, I've never seen it either. So I was like, well, let right. me see if I, there's something I've actually seen her in. Right. She was just in one episode of The Bear, but it, but but she does, you know, she does a a, a great uh, cameo appearance. It's really good. Right. And she did an episode of Doctor Who, which is not surprising because I think that's probably a, a, a that's in a British contract at this point. I yeah, seriously, um, I'd have seen it. Seriously, but yeah. she does such a good job. Like she, she's like the breakout, you know, uh, you know, character. You know, hopefully she makes it through the last episode, and hopefully we get a little bit more Sonya Fallsworth in the MCU down the line. That was my thought. Oh, speaking of MCU, we also got a a very interesting. I didn't think. You know, was going to happen. Call back to another uh, MCU movie. That character from the Black Widow. Yep. I was like, I did not recognize that. I had to see that. I, I had to uh, see that in an article, like a like a quick summary of. It. I was like, oh, that's where that guy's from. Okay. I knew who it was right off the bat. I'm like, huh, that's weird. <laughs> Listen, it's been a while since I saw Black Widow. I think I maybe rewatched it once. So. Right. I, you know, I don't have the best memory of everything that happens in that. Obviously, I, you know, I'm still kind of, you know, miffed at the, the, the switcheroo on the Taskmaster concept. So. Apparently, there was a rumor that he, uh, at least from some video that I watched, that he was supposed rumored to have been the one to, to be the Taskmaster, but they did, did, did not. But I don't know how true that is. I'm like, huh. Okay. I'm just like Tony Masters. Come on. Well, yeah, I don't know, but hey, you know it. Hey, Antonia is as as a <laughs> it's close, yeah. but you know we don't we don't have to get into that anymore because that was yeah. that whole was was what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, no. We'll talk about it later. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's something in the news, but I don't know. So yeah. Um. It's action figure stuff. So. 
Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, we will definitely get to that later on. Yeah. Then. yeah, yeah. But uh, let's kind of put a close on the secret uh, invasion talk. I'm like, I'm, I'm still on board. You know, I mean, you know, it's only one more episode left, so at this point, you might as well ride it out, right? Even mm-hmm. if it wasn't. Exactly. Exactly. Listen, we're diehards, right? We're going to watch it. We're going to watch it for your benefit, ladies and gentlemen, and folks who are watching um, and listening. And tell you what we think about it. We're diehards, you know. It's I can't say that we don't have a choice, but you know, we're we're, we're sticking with it just to see where it goes. I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. We do have a choice. Uh, there is always a choice, right? Of course, there's a choice. <laughs> no, what I'm saying, like we're doing it, you know, for you know academic purposes sometimes. Well, that and so. we and because we're diehards. Right. Let's face it, we got to know. We, we got to know, even if for ourselves and for the, anybody who may be listening and watching, you you are right about that. Right. But, you know, right. Also for ourselves just to see what they're doing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, um, there was something else I was going to say about that episode, but I guess that was it. Um, those were the main points, and it, the show just came out. You know, like I said, by the time y'all hear this on audio or happen to catch this later, you know, hopefully you will have had time to. Um, Watch last list. I mean, yeah, watch the show. Um. Oh no, I did talk about it because it was the um the basically the team up between the two characters, uh, in the little action piece that was nice. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was a stunt double. I'm sure they did not teach this Game of Thrones actress all of those moves. She's but... young enough. They could have. You know, I, I I like that um, they zoomed out to do the reload scene. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, you could definitely tell there was a stunt double in one or two places. With one of them is one of them especially, which would make sense, but the other one also because right. of a couple of other things. So yeah, she wasn't definitely doing all of that stuff. Right, 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 right. right. But now they probably they they probably you know did a couple of things with her. So, but yeah, good stuff. All right, folks, we're going to get into books. Um, and we said we we're definitely not going to start off with Rogue and Gambit because that was last week. <laughs> um, we are going to start off with the new number one book of the week from a um, from a writer who has been on this show before. Yes, I- former guest, former guest of the Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, he goes by Brian Hill now, but we knew him then as Brian Edward Hill. Mm-hmm. I still call him that, honestly. Of I mean, course. I don't that to him, but, of you know, course. Like, yeah, just... Of course. And we are referring, in fact, to Blade Number One is written by Brian Hill with art by Elena Casagrande, uh, who we were fans of when she was doing Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Colors are by Jordi Belair, and letters are by VCs Joe Sabino. So um, I will start off by saying that my first impression of this was good. But I also had to stop and think, so what's going on in Russia with the vampires? Did we resolve that at some point in the Avengers book? I do not remember. I don't think so, no. Right. I think it's a, a statement. It's still, it's still in flux. Right. It's, yeah. it's just an ongoing thing, and this is like a separate story, right? So I get that. I get that they want to give Brian Hill you know, some, some leeway to start his own Blade story, and I get that. Um, but that made, that was the first thing that popped into my brain. Like, so I guess we're not abandoning that, but putting that to the side for a different story that Brian Hill wants to tell. And the second thing is, uh, I had very strong 
Philadelphia vibes coming from this book. You know, uh, just just the vibes. I can't. You know, there's nothing direct that I can cite to, but you know, uh, basically in in everything I saw, in some of the character, some of the story points and 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 uh, plot twists that are placed in it, I got very strong Philadelphia vibes. This is obviously something that I would get because I have been a fan of the Philadelphia series by Rodney Barnes at Al um, over at Image, but um you know and that's the, and i bring that particular frame of reference to it but ultimately i enjoyed this as someone who's not a consistent blade reader and i'll let roddy cat pick it up from there yeah i mean i can't see it in here and say that i am all either but i've definitely have seen two out of three of the movies um and like both of them that 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 last one Trinity I'm I still despite as as I told uh, Agent Seventy prior to the show I own it and it's sitting like two feet two feet next to me but I can't bring myself to um, to watch it but with that frame of reference as as I have joked in my notes Brian had Brian Hill who you know if you uh, follow his Twitter definitely a big uh, movie movie fan so I kind of joked that um, not to him but in my notes to say he's definitely seen a Blade movie or two himself because the feel of this issue is pretty much has the feel of the first Blade movie and that's why I'm thinking I, I they're they're not even worried about the whole Russian uh, the the Chernobyl the vampire nation stuff or even though another nation kind of comes into place with this because one they're trying to set up for the, the blade movie which is still out there in limbo somewhere and they're not really worried about that because it has nothing because that's not in the mcu so taking it back to basics quote unquote with the uh, um with something that feels like the first blade movie makes a little bit more sense here and again with somebody you know like ryan hill you know well, i can't say i did i know all of the inner workings of, but a dude from what little talking to them that we have and seeing them out there could, could gather. It's a, it's a pretty good fit. Like that whole, you know, trying to tag in that whole, um, that, that whole vampire nation stuff into this kind of thing would not necessarily be a, a, a big task, but probably unnecessary, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with what they, are potentially trying to do like i said we just gear up for whenever the movie happens to show itself sure um uh that being said though hey you know if you have seen the first play movie um you will understand what i'm talking about with the feel of this book uh if you should uh plan to read it uh it doesn't go with the same beats although there's is one or two things that might be considered uh similar or at least one particular thing that might be considered uh, similar, but the where the story is going goes away from that slightly quickly, but not outside the realm of uh, what one of those movies would have done. I would say. Uh, again, I haven't seen the third one, so maybe the third one maybe did do something similar to this, but I doubt it. Uh, but it was a good read. Uh, Elena Casagrande's art, um, as the seventy said, you know, we we would know of her art from Black Widow. Still great, different uh, from from some of that, but still kind of kinetic in that same way. But uh, it, it's still some good 
Right. The layouts are beautiful. The choreography, the panel to panel stuff is incredible. So, you know, she's very strong. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a fan. I think Roddy Cat is as well. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. And of course, uh, you know, colors by Jody Bella. You can't you can't really go wrong with that combination. Right. Because things just kind of pop. So, yeah, if you're interested in Blade Book, I would say pick this one up. <laughs> Sounds good to uh, me. Wait, is this a? Because wait, uh, this is an ongoing, or um, I think it's a. It was a. It's a mini series. I think it's a mini. Does it say? I think it's an ongoing, or at least it's intended to be an ongoing. I'm not sure. I need to go back and check because I didn't see that in the covers when I was pulling covers, mm-hmm. uh, and I can't remember when uh, um, when we first talked about it when we, when it was first announced. If that was the case, I can look that up while you do while you start on the next book, which sure. is. Black Panther number two. Yes, mm-hmm. our next bo- our next book is Black Panther number two. It's written by Eve L. Ewing, with pencils by Chris Allen, inks by Craig Young, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So now, in this issue, we have a name to put on or place on the character that was revealed in the first issue that was you know that 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 uh whose first appearance was in the first issue i'm not a hundred percent sure how we're supposed to pronounce it but it's right on the cover so it's not really a spoiler it's beisa or besa i'm not sure how we're supposed to pronounce that but yeah, i've been besa besa yeah. Right. So, but at the end of the day, we now have a name to go with that character. We also have a uh, a more fleshed out story for uh, T'Challa's current predicament as a king in exile, as a deposed king in exile, and you know his current uh, status quo, as it were. So we get a little bit of that, as well as a little bit of backstory on Besa or Besa, and. Um, unfortunately, we also have um, Ne'er Duels within Wakanda who have um, plans for uh, Michael Collins. I'm not sure if this is the Michael Collins version of this character, but I dropped that name. And if you're familiar with that name, you know who I am speaking of. It was also teased in that first issue. So things are afoot in Wakanda. Uh, again, I'm still not so keen on this uh, Black Panther costume redesign. I think it's a little busy, you know, but I do appreciate the um, the small shield, which I think is obviously adapted from various things, but it calls to mind. I don't know if this is a direct callback to um, the claw shield that the Wakandans give to uh, Steve Rogers when he is... Um, fighting in Infinity War in the MCU, but you know, obviously, you know, th- there are multiple um, uh, uh, influences on the design here, and you know, this this shoulder shield, uh, you know, you know, can be drawn from a mul- from multiple sources. But at the end of the day, I still think it's a little busy, just from just from a design perspective. But listen, to each their own. Whatever, if it floats your boat, good for you. Um and uh, let Roddy Cat uh, uh, throw in his thoughts. So yeah, uh, there's a there's a curiosity with this new character um, right off the bat, which I kind of hate to go into because I'm one of those people that's like, well, this 
doesn't just because you introduce this doesn't necessarily have to be the case that something like that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being is this going to end up being uh, a potential love interest for T'Challa? Right. Um, because at this point, it feels it. There's a weird Spider-Man Black Cat vibe that I'm getting off of their um, interaction. Yeah, uh, I see that. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of wondering if if that is going to be the case or not. Um, at the end, we see we see them uh, in a particular spot. I'm sure there's going to be some talking, but also uh, the last page kind of um, intimated something doesn't that doesn't necessarily have to do with either one of them. Oh, you mean with Michael Collins as uh, the teaser for next issue? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. Like I said, it could be something, could be nothing. But like that would be fast work. But then again, hey, Biggie got married in what nine days, so that's not really <laughs> right, 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 right. Outside of realm of, of crazy things happening. Nevertheless, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still enjoying this, uh, the start of this. Uh, 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 T'Challa has a new uh, secret identity and more secret than Luke Charles. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and even um going back to I guess going back slightly to a slight spoiler for to for Secret of Agent, uh Wakandan disguise tech tech way better, uh, way more advanced than um what they're uh what they've been using. Well, so. I mean look, look, in the comics we've had image inducers forever. Oh, totally. You know what I'm saying? So I get that. I get that. I get but, that. But also, but not used by, well, I guess you'll made or have some, but mostly used by like, you know, ex-folks or, or whatever. Right, uh, right. But the but, but the idea of it has been around forever. And true. What, what I laugh about in, you know, with regards to um, uh, that aspect of the story, you know, like the, the, you know, T'Challa's current status quo is that he is much like an undercover agent fully invested in knowing quirks foibles and anything that would help flesh out this character this identity right you know i like that he's just like well this this you know like like this 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 name that i'm uh, living under does this likes this hates this so on and so forth i kind of chuckled at that i'm like okay Right, it, it, which kind of made me think of, um, like, if you've ever, if anyone's ever played an MMO and actually role-played their characters, like, um, like for instance, I have a character that I play on Star Trek Online that I've had since forever that I've fleshed out a whole a whole ass story about. Mm-hmm. Not a whole ass story about, but a, a, enough of a background to be like, go. But also, to be fair, it's kind of stolen from another movie. That's beside the point. But there are people who will do that and just flesh out the backgrounds and do this and that and the other, you know, almost going into fan fiction territory and maybe they have done that in, in certain cases uh but Tatala's level of going going deep with his uh identity kind of seems to be going down that that road and i was like that's pretty good but yeah. also the character um the her secret identity is slightly reminding me and i don't know if this was intentional or, or not of a certain um a certain character from the true blood series uh the TV series specifically, uh, who I think was probably in the books also. I don't know. I never read them. Um, who, uh, whose uh, actor is, is no longer with us. But 
part of this character, this character just kind of reminds me of that. And it's like, huh, that's kind of interesting if that is the case. And maybe just the way it was written, uh, mm-hmm. they were drawn uh, that made it look that way. Or it just could be, you know, just me thinking that. Who knows? Nevertheless, though, um, uh, Black Panther 2, pretty good. Uh, we'll see what's going on with this new character that's introduced and, you know, whether what I said earlier may or may not be the case. I'm, I don't know. But we'll see. Uh, and with that, we have uh, one other book uh, that we both uh, read, and that would be, although I'm going to let Agent 70 handle the book of this because I kind of skimmed it, Guardians of the Galaxy number four. Right, and I and I usually do a good job of not spoiling, you know, what happens. So Guardians of the Galaxy number four is written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, also former guests of the Comic Book Chronicles. Art is by Kev Walker. Colors are by Matt Hollingsworth. And letters are by VC's Travis Lanham. So we finally catch up in issue number four with the member slash members of the Guardians of the Galaxy who we really not have, who we not, who we have not yet touched base with in the first four issues. We've basically been in contact with all of the other characters, but, you know, this is the rocket and or Groot issue and uh, mostly rocket, let's say. And bottom line is, you know, we find out what rockets status quo has been, you know, what, what is, what has developed since the end of the last uh, guardians run. And uh, you know, it's a very interesting study of um, rocket. It's in the vein of the guardians movies where at least, even with Guardians 3, which is coming out on Disney Plus very soon, um, you know, we, we should have a – if we don't have a news article on it now, we probably will next week because I know it just dropped the Actually, date. We- right. So I know that the date just dropped. It doesn't come to mind, but I know that the date just dropped. But um, – yeah. well, we'll talk about that. But point is um, we find out that. That that Rocket may in fact be the point of view character for a lot of the story of the Guardians in the MCU, and that is, you know, kind of the the lens that we see that that we view the character in in this issue. Obviously, it's you know it's a spotlight on what Rocket is up to and how his life has changed um, uh, since the end of the last Guardians run. Uh, but I will tell you that at the end of this, since Roddy Cat skimmed this, he knows this. At the end of this, it is definitely a band getting back together because now, you know, we have to bring the band together to figure out what's going on, to, to, to help out the one member who is, you know, you know, is it's teased that we're finally going to find out what is behind Groot Fall and what happened in the next issue. So, you know, unlike Zeb Wells, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing are not making us wait forever to find out what happened to our friend Groot. And yet we still have a couple of little side things to find out unless uh, it's something I missed when skimming in this book, because there's at least personally, I'll put it this way since the, since the, the first issue, there's been a couple of, this, a couple of things that's been curious about this. Like one, um, this whole wild west thing that they came across granted that's that's dressing so that's that's beside the point but also the makeup of this team this team which 
kind of MCU-ish, uh, but also there's a change to one of the members that I don't think we still got um, got the grasp on right. or what's going on with them that I'm kind of curious about. Sure, sure, sure. And obviously that's fodder for more stories. So Right. So we'll see as it goes along. And with that, um, as I push this back to the from the uh, the variant cover, uh, is it for what we have in common at least? Um, so we're going to go into rapid fire. Time to spin it up. Rapid fire reviews. I ain't got time to bleed. First up for me is Tales of the Titans number one of four. It's written by Shannon Hale and Dean Hale, with art by Javier Rodriguez and letters by Hassan Otsmane El Hau. So this is in the vein of the original miniseries, a four-issue miniseries, Tales of the Titans, or Tales, I think it was Tales of the Teen Titans, and of the new Teen Titans back then, uh, from the 80s, you know, from the Perez and uh and Wolfman era. And this first issue is a spotlight on Starfire. And I will tell you that this is a candidate for click of the week for me because I love that this brought me up to speed on where Coriander is as a character. And it is just really well done. Uh, Javier Rodriguez's art is fun as always. It's expressive. It's not, you know, so, so, you know, like, uh, obsessed with detail. It's a little bit more cartoony, but it is just well done. The pages are well composed and, um, you know, it was just a really enjoyable read for me. You know, obviously I am a gigantic fan of that Wolfman Perez era of the new teen Titans and, you know, just seeing an update on, you know, some of the dynamics of the character between the characters on the, on the Titans and, and, and fleshing that out and, and refreshing, you know, not even refreshing my memory, but just filling me in on the blanks that I have missed, uh, not keeping up with these characters for years and years. I really appreciated that. So it's worth reading. Next up is spider Gwen shadow clones. Number five of five. So this is the last issue of this miniseries. It's written by Emily Kim with pencils by Kei Zama and Jaffo, another former member, a uh, former guest of the Comic Book Chronicles. Inks are by Oren Jr., Bellardino Bravo, and Jaffo. And colors are by Triona Farrell. Letters on this book are by VCs Ariana Marr. So this is the, as I said, the last issue of the Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones saga. Uh, as it were, because every clone book has to be a saga. I kid. I kid. I kid. Um, Not far off, though. Right. Bottom line here is that, you know, this is a multiverse story, as a lot of, you know, Spider-Gwen things can be, you know, as a, as a, as a part of the multiverse idea, the Spider-Verse idea. Um I enjoyed that Gwen's character is just fleshed out even more under the direction of Emily Kim. I've liked this miniseries because it really does study and expand upon an aspect 
of this version of Gwen's character, which is underused, and that being a dark side. You know, she's a punk, you know, she's a drummer in a relatively successful, and obviously I say that with quotes, so the air quotes, right? Relatively, success, relatively successful punk band. And, you know, there is an edge to her character. And that edge is kind of explored in this Shadow Clone story. And I like that. You know, it, that, that's what differentiates her from the 616 Gwen, right? And she's her own character. And I like that, uh, the, you know, these uh, miniseries, much like the Silk miniseries, continue to flesh out the character despite the fact that, you know, it's not an ongoing, right? And, you know, these are constantly building on uh, what has come before, you know, they're not necessarily standalones. I like that they are building on what has come before. Last for me is X-Men Red number 13. It's written by Al Ewing with art by Jacopo Camagni. Uh, colors are by Federico Blee and letters are by VCs Ariana Mar. Speaking of building on what's come before, X-Men Red has tradi- traditionally been the Araco book. And this book does obviously continue in that vein. The politics on Araco are front and center here with the return of Genesis and uh, the annihilation, not, not no longer annihilation helm, but staff. And that plays a gigantic role in where the story is going. And uh, the cliffhanger at the end of this, um, you know, does make me want to follow up. There is a lot of text in this issue because a lot of, uh, inner workings of the uh, I forget what they call the um, the circle um, on Araco, the ruling council, you know, the equivalent of the quiet council. Um, I forget what they're called, but bottom line here is that uh, there is um, you know there are multiple uh, challenges going on, and if you're familiar with how Araco works, that is you know uh, the mechanism of change of leadership. There are multiple challenges going on. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out in the next issue. And that's it for me. There's usually a lot of text in, in X-Men Red. Um, so, so, yeah, that's that's not <laughs> not very surprising. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a book. Uh, with everything else, you need to catch up on with the fall coming. Uh, but some of that you said it's definitely something I'm familiar with. Um, also, oh, to go back for a, a, a very quick second, um, that Blade book is an ongoing. There it is. Now. Yeah. And also that, that uh, Spider-Gwen book, I wanted to ask, um, one, as I saw an article about there, about apparently this brings about a change to Gwen's character. Uh, well, in the end, is that is that accurate? That's what I was referring to, like fleshing mm-hmm. out an edge to the character, like a different, you know, a different aspect of the character's personality. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm going to have to go back. I will definitely go back and check this out. All right. For myself, we're going to start off with, um, I guess a world building book in, in a sense, void rivals. Number two, from Robert Kirkman uh, of uh, Invincible Fan. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on a second, folks. Just realized something. <laughs> oh, no. Well, the copy we have um, 
is interesting and sans so, some information. Ah, so. because we get review copies, folks. We do not get final copies sometimes. Well, yeah, but most of the time they would at least have that information in them. This was one of those rare times where, yeah, that was definitely not the case. And I meant to go out there and look to see if there was uh, such information or such out there. But unfortunately, all I have right now is, of course, written by Robert Kirkman uh, with art by Matthias Lopez. Um, uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, with art by Lorenzo del uh, Felici, um, and who also did the cover art apparently, and also get some some other art by um, uh, Matthias Lopez. So, yeah, I'm not sure what uh, what they had done, but regardless, that's all I have right now. I don't have like letters and stuff like that because unfortunately, like I said, uh, we uh, this book was without that information. So. The one thing that you actually need to know is um, if you've read the first issue of this book, and you may or may not have given the hubbub around what this book is doing, um, there's a little more of that, but not to the extent that the first book is. So basically, here's what you got an enemy kind of you kind of had an enemy mind situation where you see these two. Uh, warring factions or feuding factions you know uh in this one part of space who are fighting over resources uh two particular folks uh, on the different uh sides end up being stranded on a planetoid they found out that they have a little bit more in common uh in this particular issue and the last issue they found out they have a little bit more in common that they originally thought uh, in fact, uh, let's just say it might slightly be something akin to a Vulcan Romulan situation. Transformers got involved were involved uh, in the last issue. Um, uh, in a way, spoiler alert if you did not read it. So this is uh, Kirkman setting up their quote unquote Energon universe. Um, where this book, Transformers, and I guess in some kind of way, G.I. Joe is going to be in the shared universe. Hasbro's tried that before. We'll see if Kirkman can do any better. Nevertheless, um, we don't get much more Transformers stuff, except for in the form of an alien who may or may not be familiar to folks uh, uh, from Transformers G1 Season 3 let's just say, because our two uh, main folks end up coming across those. So like I was saying, um, stranded on a planetoid, these two uh, two um, uh, opposing folks, well, two folks from opposing factions find out that they have more in common than than, uh, than not. There may be a um, Romulan slash uh, Vulcan situation in that, but neither one of them know about it because apparently their governments have been keeping keeping some secrets. Uh, on that point, so, but at this point, we are seeing them trying to escape said planetoid and get back to their own galaxy because they're in some sort of uh, uncharted space, which we it seems to be implying that they are in uh, the Transformers universe uh, that they can get to by some sort of warp gate. Um, and while they are trying to, um, you know, get to or get back to where they can get more freely rescued they again come across some some um 
some remnants of the Transformers universe uh, from the from the animated series in the end of this. Because hey, you know, when you're floating along and you're broadcasting, you know, in, in uncharted spaces, of course things are going to happen. Um to to some extent. So there is that. I don't know. Uh next book for myself is Teenage Mutant Turtles versus Street Fighter number two of five. Um Written by Paul Allure, with art by Ariel Medell or Medell or Medell, or it's probably Medell. Uh, colors by Sarah Meyer and letters by Ed Dukeshire. Uh, so yes, yeah, it's a crossover, the IDW uh, crossover with Street Fighter and uh, the Turtles franchises. Um, there's this tournament that, uh, unbeknownst to the participants, is I think being funded and headed by M Bison. But also Baxter Stockman is there behind the scenes and they're doing some stuff. Uh, but Baxter Stockman got wind of the fact that the turtles are here and was basically telling Bison, "No, you can't. You you can't use them. They're a wild card. You don't want to mess with them." But of course, M Bison being M Bison's like, "No, I'm gonna still do some things regardless of what you say." So, which leads to some shenanigans in this book dealing with psycho power and um, a good bit of fighting as you would uh as you would expect there was a couple of fights between um um a, a turtle or one of the street fighters a couple of the street fighters i should say and one of the street fighters namely chun li she kind of comes off but i'm thinking it's probably because of um the some some um shenanigans that M. bison's doing Coming off a little more aggressive than you would know that character to, to be, but also pretty being a little uh I don't want to the I don't want to say racist, but <laughs> she's kind of treating the the um the, the turtles as um even though prior to this issue kind of wasn't wasn't kind of treating the turtles as if they are the bad guys. But but things things that have been happening in this book in this particular issue, you know, kind of doesn't um, you could see why that how that could happen on both sides, and in fact does. But they end up teaming up together to find out what's going on with this tournament and why they're missing uh, folks and who's behind it, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, some of the some of the portrayal of uh, Chen Li in this issue was like, hey, it's a little little teeter in there. Like, tone that back a little bit. Don't don't do Chen Li like this. She's she's a good people. Mm. Um. Still on the Turtles front, though, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, Last Day Special One-Shot. Uh, written by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Art by Kevin Eastman, with pencils by Ben Bishop, Esau, um, and Isaac Escorza, and Freddie, William, Freddie E. Williams II. Uh, with inks by Kevin, Will, Kevin Eastman, Ben Bishop, and Esau, and Isaac uh, Escorza. Uh, colors by Luis Antonio Delgado and letters by Sean Lee. So yeah, as I said, this is a one shot. Basically, uh, in the world of the Last Ronin, which if you not 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 know, um, all the turtles are there except for one, or was were one. Excuse me, uh, that turtle being Michelangelo. But this 
takes place sometime after the events of that particular book where some, uh, a big thing happened and got got squared away. Um, uh, and Mikey's kind of off doing his other things or whatever it may be. Um, but this particular one shot has to do with one April O'Neil Jones um, recounting, well, one, recounting some memories, but also basically taking a field trip with her grandbabies, and those grandbabies being four new turtles that she and her uh, daughter, Casey Marie, have been um, raising slash training in this world. So, um, and Casey Marie kind of, you know, not knowing that uh, April kind of took them out on a little field trip in this world, because she herself was out on a seemingly much-needed date, I guess. I don't know. Um, but regardless, the crux of this one shot is, uh, April kind of recounting some memories and kind of going through the, uh, the day, uh, doing her errands in this world with the four turtles, the four new turtles that uh, they've been training who call her grandma, which is kind of weird and also called Casey mom. But, you know, it, I guess if you raise a bunch of turtles, I guess that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so that's pretty much the crux of, of this. It's. Of interest, if you, um, if you have had interest in any more from the world of that last Ronin books, a couple other things is of at least of interest to me was that apparently nine one one happened in this world, uh, as a uh, as April kind of recounts. Uh, Donatello likes Thomas Dolby, Devo, and Rush. Which that last one I, I don't understand, but I mean I don't get, but the first two totally understandable. <laughs> um also apparently Tommy Boy the movie gets brought up in his, in his, in this book so it's like okay Eastman <laughs> this is this is clearly all you so um I, I guess but yeah anyway interesting read like I said if you are uh of, have any interest of of that world in particular uh Hawk Girl number 1 of 6 uh, written by Jadzia Axelrod, which Jadzia is a great name, by the way. Shout out to ZS9. Uh, art by Amin K. Nahopin. Colors by Adriana Lucas. And uh, letters by Hassan Asmane Elal. So, yeah. Uh, Kendra Saunders is hot girl and has been for quite some time. Apparently, uh, we get kind of caught up in the midst of... Um, um, a little brouhaha in Metropolis, Metropolis, where she just moved to because she is fighting alongside uh, Black Canary and Superman and somebody else might have been. Oh, Power Girl is there also. Or I guess he's Power Woman at this point. I don't know either way. Either, but they're basically all trying to talk to her because they're trying to see if she's all right because, you know, in, in the course of recounting, they, re, they bring up some stuff that she's been through, such as um, the breakup of the Ju- Justice League Apparently she had an um, um, she had a thing with Martian Manhunter and all that kind of gets brought up here and you know the heroes are just 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 rightfully um, worried about her but she thinks she's fine but she's not really fine as she as, she, as, uh, as her dialogue kind of keeps mentioning them but in the course of this a uh, big brouhaha uh, there is a new villain that she's going to come in contact called. Um, Vulpacula, which if that sounds like the um, if that sounds like the mixture of Vulp, Vulpin, Vulpine and uh, Dracula, 
you're probably not that far away from who what this person is supposed to be. There's a big nth metal thing that they're trying to that they're they're um that they're dealing with, which of course uh, is going to lead her in contact with uh, Kendra because of her whole wings and mace thing going on. But also we get to meet uh, another new vil- uh, new hero, excuse me, named Galaxy, who slightly reminds me of Singularity from the Marvel side, but not really. This is an alien who has some sort of um, um, elemental-ish kind of powers, but she's also one an alien, you know, uh, that's uh, here on Earth that, of course, Batman knows all about. <laughs> because Batman knows about everybody. I don't know if she's like new to this. I'm assuming she's new to this book and has not been anywhere else in the DC universe, but I'm not entirely sure of that. And she also has a talking cor- corgi with you for her. So there is that and, um, and, a, and a partner. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. This is, it, it was an interesting read. I, I know enough about Hawk girl to kind of say, huh, I was curious to see what this was about. And, yeah, I'll probably stick with this. Uh, Star Trek, The Day of Blood, part one of six. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, part one of five, because um, it is a five-part story, not six. So, as I check and see if we're still going here, yes, we are. Um, written by Christopher Cantwell, Colin Kelly, and Jackson Lansing, former guests to show those last two names were anyway. Uh, art by Ramon Rosanas, uh, colors by Lee Luffridge, and letters by Clayton Cowles. This is a potential click of the week for myself and probably likely someone else on the, the panel, but we don't know. Um, so this is all of the events of uh, Star Trek ongoing comic and Star Trek Defiant have led up to this. Um, uh, Kayless has a, a, a ship with a God-killing uh, uh, device on it, uh, and a group called the Red Path that he's leading, which uh, is basically a cult uh, made up of not just Klingons, but other folks, and uh, maybe some coercion also going on in, in some of that, but there's that. Which brings together uh, the crews of the USS Theseus and the USS Defiant, uh, captained by both uh, Cap- Cap- captained by Ben Cisco and uh, Worf, uh, respectively, and both of whom who are kind of still at odds with each other do uh, because of something that happened in what was it, issue three of Star Trek, I uh, believe. And uh, and the beginning of uh, and the start of uh, Star Trek the Defiance um, book, which came out the same week. So that wasn't that long ago, but it was all in service of kind of getting them to this point, I believe where they have to work together and the crews have to work together to stop uh, Kalis and crew. And this is the, the start of that. Uh, it's pretty good, uh, uh, especially if you're a Star Trek fan, but um, it is good for, it's, it's just good stuff um, for the interactions that happen in this book with uh, the, 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 the members on both sides. Cause um, you have, Data and Lore, who apparently Data just found out that Lore's got put back together again on one instance, and then you know, outside of that, you have uh, some other folks who are interacting with each other and kind of butt heads each other. So all these people have to kind of work together. So that's going to be fun to read. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm enjoying that so far. So I'm hoping the rest of it ends up being good, and I have no reason for it not to be. 
Um, last but not least, which is a book that kind of just skims, but nevertheless, it's, it's really not that hard to read. Darkwing Duck, number seven, uh, script by now Amanda Daybert, art by and colors by Carlo Lauro, and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. So Darkwing Duck and Launchpad go to the opening of a museum called the Hall of Heroes, which, of course, um, are, was made in service of, um, talk, you know, uh, um, um, in in service of uh, giving some shine to the heroes of uh, I, I don't think they're in Duckburg, but wherever they are, uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, and of course Darkwing is one of them, so he wanted to go see it, and he's also kind of Darkwing. If you know the character and and have watched the show, he's kind of felt himself to be a loner, but being that he is um, has been aligned with the Justice Ducks, um. You know, there there's him thinking, no, I'm still a loner. I did, never needed help, and this and other. And of course, him going through, and he has a massive ego, so going through the museum has kind of uh, been a thing for him. But it's also good fun uh, for us reading the book, knowing the character the way it is. So yeah, definitely check that out if you're uh, if you're a fan of uh, the terror that quacks in the night, because it's a pretty good issue. Uh, but oh, oh, also in here, there's another hero that he also worked with that's kind of have a similar problem, and they end up kind of working together. So yeah, that'll work out the way you expected to um, expected to. Uh, and that is it for me. Uh, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. I'm I'm kind of. All right, so we didn't get anything from our from our um, from our absentee uh, panel mates uh, here. I slightly kind of want to go with uh, Star Trek Day of Blood number one for Doug Dirt. Right, but we're not going to assume he got to read it yet this week. Exactly. But it seems very likely that that would be his click of the week pick. That would be yeah, that would be one probably the first one he uh, read if he read anything this week. But also, I'm going to go on our back channel and kind of poke a little fun and say that um, his potential click was also Extreme uh, Venomverse number five because of the the cover. <laughs> Land Shark. Yes, Jeff the Land Shark has uh, apparently been venomized um, uh, in this uh, last issue of uh, this book that none of us are, well, none of us, either one of us, Agent 70 or I are reading. I, you know, I don't, I did not know Doug was reading, but maybe his, one of his kids are. Right. Was, uh, do you, there is some stuff uh, that I didn't get to, but we'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Do you have yours? I think I do. I did like Blade number one, and I did like Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones number five, but I think the runaway winner for my choice for Click of the Week this week is Tales of the Titans number one of four. I kind of figured. You seemed uh, uh, pretty up on that. I I didn't have a chance to read that uh, myself, but I'm definitely going to uh, probably do that later on. So cool. I was about to say, who doesn't like the, the Titans? And I was about to say, there's probably some crazy people out there. But we <laughs> well, you know what it is? I know, and I hate to say this, and it's 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 an aspect of the story right now. All Titans, all anything Titans right now, you know, focuses on 
the fact that they are stepping into the void left by the disbanding of the Justice League. So, you know, there's a bit of, you know, there's a bit of, um, you know, uh, soul searching and questioning there. And, you know, it becomes a, you know, not a plot point, but it's it's, it's something that's mentioned. So it is a thing. It Mm -hmm. is a thing. Um, For myself, uh, Ford Rival, uh, initially, no, Ford Rival was not, I like it. I am still very curious about that book, I'm, but I'm not going to say it's a particular week. So um, now when that Transformers book comes out in, in a few months, we'll we'll talk then. But um, Black Panther number two was, 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 I thought, very strong. Blade one definitely uh, is a potential click. Um, and I believe, I think, I, well... The, the 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 turtles three fighter book was actually pretty fun, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of where it goes. Um, the dark one was also fun, but I think I am actually going to go with uh, Star Trek: Day of Blood number one for myself. Yeah, that's pretty good. Shout out to Blade Blade one also, by the way, because that one if if there were any two that was the strongest in in, in what I what I picked. It would be Star Trek and Blade. And that, folks, um, is the click of the week. Clicks of the week. Do we uh, have an, an ad read? Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. As we do about this time, we start off with cinematic news. Um, a movie that neither one of us has seen as of yet. Mission Impossible 7 falls short of expectations with $56 million debut. Uh, collects $80 million over five days, which, one, that's a lot of movie. I mean, that's a lot of money regardless, but, um, you know... <laughs> People, people love the numbers for some strange reason. Right, and they have uh, expectations. You know, the people, you know, the, the theater owners and the industry are worried that people aren't coming back to the movie theaters necessarily and they're waiting for things to come out on streaming. So, you know, this is definitely, um, you know, chatter for, you know, this is fodder for conversations when it comes to, you know, box office and, 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 and uh, you know, what kind of movies are going to gain uh, financial backing once the uh, the strikes are resolved. Right. Especially for the po- the folks who put up the money for, for, for the movie, because obviously, you know, they want to recoup their loss. They not only want to recoup their losses, uh, 
and not necessarily loss, but recoup their, their costs, money, exactly. more profit from it. And apparently this movie, which I'm not surprised, um, according to this Friday article, this movie cost nearly $300 million before marketing. So that is that is pretty short from expectations, from right. what would, you would come from expectations. But probably that, now that has nothing to do with whether the movie's good or not. And Age of 70 kind of, you know, talked about why people would, you know, be kind of hesitant to go at this moment. But I figure between this and probably Fast X, people would probably would gravitate to the movie theaters to see this a little bit more. I, well, Fast, I'll take it back. They're, they're in the same camp. You know, right. something... Right. Big actiony, fun blockbustery that would happen at this time of uh, year would be fertile ground for for big, you know, for for cash for for, for cash making at this time of the year. So, like I said, neither one of us having had a chance to had a chance to see it. No spoilers, um, but you know, I'm 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 interested in seeing it. This article kind of goes into the numbers of the last few movies, which I won't get into, but hey. You know, things happen. I'm sure this movie will probably make it up. Next up. Christopher Nolan says no to directing another superhero movie and criticizes studios for viewing films as plot and not an audiovisual experience. That is such a Christopher Nolan thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So this question came during a speed round in which, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the, the, uh, director was asked about... um, you know what he's going to do in the future so yeah now i i remember uh i remember anecdotally and i don't know how much truth it is but the the reason why he ended up doing uh the batman movies was so that he could do movies like this because let's face it if he didn't do those movies well i and this is me speculating the chances of him doing say an oppenheimer probably would be less Right. Or they have the budget to do an Oppenheimer type movie, probably be lessened by him doing those. So whatever, man. Right. You, you can say that well after the fact, <laughs> but right, that's what right, got right. you here. Right. So. Um. Oh, also, this article points out that um, he didn't. He was asked about whether he would do a Star Wars movie, and he declined to answer, or he did answer. So, just saying. He's not that crazy, but he's just being a winker. Right. Um, next up, though, Pink. So there was a rumor reported around that Kenneth Branagh, uh, some of y'all may remember him from, uh, was it, wait, he did the first Thor movie. Yes. Correct? Yes. Um, wait, he did a, did he do Dark World or somebody else did that one? No, no somebody else did Dark World. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't, I couldn't remember that. Uh, anyway, Kenneth Branagh, the noted director, was um, reportedly attached to direct a live-action Gargoyles movie. Um, the article that I have in front of me, if you're watching the video version, uh, you can see see where it's from. Kind of pokes at the um, the originator, the originating site of that um, of that rumor as being a big fake, big fake news reporting site and kind of gets into a little editorializing and basically puffing up their own chest about what they do or do not, which tends to happen. So mm-hmm. nevertheless, um, that rumor that had been going around that had been picked up from sites like uh, CBR tended up being not true. Uh, so, 
And actually, when I saw that, I was like, none of that seemed true, but I did have that. I had that originally in the uh, the news, uh, uh, you know, in case there might have been something to it. But at the same time, like, that doesn't even seem seem like a fit. Oh, maybe it does, actually. I don't know. Kenneth Branagh like that. Mm-hmm. He did Thor, so why wouldn't he? But nevertheless, yeah, it's not true, fans. I know people out there who love Gargoyles are like, oh, but hey, things could still happen. Probably just not with uh, that director, uh, as this article notes. Next up. Right. So apparently a character cut from the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie, which is streaming now, and I should just get around to watch it would have inadvertently laid the groundwork for several more D&D adaptations. Okay. Drizzt! Drizzt! Excuse me. If you know your D&D lore, you probably know that name. I do not know my D&D lore, so I, you know, that was, I was just like, uh, you know how we, you know how we do. Who? So. Yeah, that is a name I've heard here and there. I'm not going to sit here and say that I know my D&D lore, all of that, but I've heard that name of. Uh, a few in a couple of different places, partially from video gaming, but you know, so, right. So they're that. So hey, that could have. So instead of um, Richard John Page's uh, character, it would have been Dritz, Dritz, um and I'm probably butchering the way that's pronounced, but eh, you'll be you'll be fine. You'll be right. fine. Next up. Next up. Oh, is you actually? Uh, is it? Oh, I'll do that for the Okay. Red Sanja movie uh, trailer is set to premiere at Comic-Con this week. It could be happening right now because Comic-Con has started as of the, this recording uh, this Thursday, uh, July the 20th. So look forward to more news uh, cinematically and comically next week, by the way. Um, it says here that um, Red Sanja is getting a new movie. Thanks to Millennium uh, Media and director MJ Bassett. Of two, I have no idea who that person is or these two movies. Actually, one of these two movies. Uh, and uh, stars Matilda Lutz, uh, a name also I'm not familiar with. But, hey, there's a press release from Dynamite that's saying that there's going to be an announcement at, at San Diego. So if we see a trailer next week, um, by next week, you'll know when we know. Next up. Get ready, MCU fans. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is finally coming to Disney+. Plus. The third installment of James Gunn's Guardians trilogy will be available for streaming, as Roddy Cat said earlier, on August 2nd for all Disney Plus subscribers, which comes three months after the film first hit theaters. So I'll have a chance to rewatch it and catch up on all the little fun things that I missed the first time. I guess here's the, the real question, because this is, I think this is the thing that's come up between us uh, in the last couple of years. Are you going to buy this? Guardians? Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm more inclined to buy this. I do have, believe it or not, I still have Black Widow and Shang-Chi like, in my Amazon like to-be-bought list. So Right. And that's what bring that's why I brought this up because like yeah streaming in the, especially in the last couple of years has kind of tempered for me anyway buying these movies right. unintentionally because right. normally I would buy them regardless of whether they were going to be on streaming or not and normally it would take a little bit longer for them to come to streaming but right. that hasn't been the case. Um, but yeah, I noticed like it's like well when I think about buying them like they end up being on streaming and it's like oh right. you know just really, like you they'll be in my wish list and and. I haven't bought them at this to this point. Right, 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 right. Well, what's funny about that 
And I'll tell you, before we move on to the next story um, that you'll take on, but um, the one MCU movie I bought is the one that's not necessarily available for streaming, and that is No Way Home. That's the well, one I bought recently. When I bought John Wick 4, I, 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 I reminded myself to specifically throw No Way Home into my uh, Amazon card. Right, but, well... As of yet on Disney Plus, because right. that whole Sony, right, but Sony. because of the whole exactly, well, that's the point. Because of the whole Sony thing, that's why it's not like coming as quickly to Disney Plus the way Guardians is. So, right now, it's probably out there somewhere, probably on Crocker or something for some some place no one will probably watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to that Crackle, but let's face it, Crackle Sony, that's that's not it. But yeah. um... But they got the other Spider Man. Maybe that is coming. And I figure like we had an article saying that. Well, when the rest of them came, maybe that's going to come at some later date that we don't know about just yet. So, I don't know. Anyways, um, speaking of uh, Marvel stuff, Marvel Star, pretty sure they're in Avengers Kang Dynasty. And this is Seema Liu, who thinks he's who, he's fairly sure he's going to be in Avengers Kang Dynasty. Um, he says, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in it, too. Uh, beyond that, I really don't know. And I don't want to know because, b- before it's absolutely ready. If there's anything I learned in this industry, especially with Marvel, is that things are changing, always in flux, and you really can't be sure that something's going to happen until you're on set and you're about to do the scene. Uh, then he kind of goes on talking about how you know scenes get reshot and shot and reshot and whatever, whatever, whatever. But the um, the the key point to take away that he says here, which tickled me, was he says um, when the call comes, I will happily show up, read whatever I need to read, do whatever I need to do to prepare. But until then, I think the less I know, the better. Cue the Marvel, Marvel snipers. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, hold on. He said he's not going to do it. Um, anyway. <laughs> also, Simulu using in Barbie, so he's fine right at this point. Right, you know? right, 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 right. Done right. a little bit. Next right. up. A bottle of incredibly rare bourbon keeps marking, um, keeps making, I'm sorry, making on-screen appearances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this is a reference to something that Roddy Cat and I were talking about last week. A bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, 23-year-old, made its on-screen appearance in Episode 4 of Marvel Secret Invasion, which aired last week. An article on Screen Rant that was published on the same day claimed the bottle has made multiple appearances on various shows from the studio Namely, in episode two of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Okay. So, so, yeah, it's a pretty expensive bottle. That's the point. Right. The funny thing, the, when I first read this, the funny was like, yeah, that, is that the same bottle from She-Hulk? Because <laughs> that's, like, that's, a, that's a very expensive. Apparently, the, the $5,000 is just, just a suggested price. Because from what I saw, that's like a $250 bottle of, uh, of bourbon. But because it's so scarce, yeah, three hundred. Yeah, the suggested retail price is two ninety nine, according to this article. Right. Yeah. So, but because of the fact that it, that is not a whole lot out there, it has gone. I have seen prices going upwards of ten thousand and mm. more, like seventeen thousand. When I went, when I first went looking for this, so wouldn't be surprised if, if um, you know, the bottle is real, but what they were actually drinking was probably tea, natu- quite naturally. But so. Agent said real quick, uh, we'll probably be um, happy-ish about this. I don't know. Um, he referenced the fact that uh, this article referenced that uh, She-Hulk, Attorney Lau, you also used a bottle 
Uh, apparently, I was watching um, uh, an Easter egg video from the Ringiverse mm. uh, about last week's episode that also mentioned that, and they even played the clip of where and when that bottle would have been consumed, which would have been one of the bar scenes. Right. And I think you could see the bottle there, so I guess it kind of can be kind of confirmed. Okay. That whether that was the case. So, yeah, shout out to that. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Um, if you want to want to buy Agent Seventy I and I a bottle of uh, Peppy Van Winkle, hey, you know. Yes. Just make sure the, the make sure the label does not say Robert Van Winkle because that is somebody else entirely. <laughs> yeah, it's not don't even the license. Uh, don't even the license. Uh, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> uh, what is your name? Robert Van Winkle. Why did you change it? Nothing rhymes with Winkle. Uh, <laughs> shout out to In Living Color. Yes. In- <laughs> Next up. Uh, I'm um, sorry, folks. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. That was, that was, that was tricky. Um, oh. uh, Don Chino and Kevin Feige on Rhodey's big reveal in, in Secret Invasion. There's, this is a Marvel article, so it's kind of a I, I, I want to call it a fluff piece because it kind of is and isn't because they didn't really say anything particular outside of a couple of quotes here and there. Um, Don Cheeto says, it's, it becomes sort of a cat and mouse game between the two of them, talking about uh, Fury and Rhodey, about what he and Fury, what he has on Fury. And if he's going to release the information about Fury, well, that, that I think that may have been made definitive um, given this week's episode, yay or the nay. Um... But yeah, it's also he also says uh, it's fun to fold in and know that uh, that's what's happening underneath all of these roadie scenes, according to John uh, uh, Don Cheadle. So I don't see anything that that Feige says in here at all, unless he was, you know, manning one of the snipers rifles. I don't know, which probably is. Next up, Ms. Marvel heads to ABC for its broadcast television debut. Could this be the start of a new plan for Disney or a stopgap in the wake of the continuing dual strike of the Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA? So, ding, ding, ding. exactly. So, this will uh, be released on uh, ABC on... Uh, so Ms. Marvel's first three episodes will air from 8 p.m. Eastern Time to 11 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, August 5th. That is soon. And then the final three episodes will air at the same time the following Saturday, August 12th. Okay. It's curious as to why this is not slightly closer to the release of the Marvels. But, you know, hey, better, better, better than late than never. But also... You know why they're doing this, right? <laughs> the latter part is is more of the thing. It this article notes that yeah, it's kind of gone the other way at, at at times because agent you know, agent Carter. Well, it goes the way it normally goes. Agent Carter and, and humans and Agents of Shield also started out on the TV and you know, went to streaming. Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of want to revisit a couple of those shows and um, uh, based on some recent uh, recent things on with that. But we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, Invincible Season 2 Comic-Con panel still happening despite the Hollywood strikes. Um, when is the panel? Does this thing say? It does not. But I'm pretty sure, well, there is some actual news uh, later on, uh, Invincible-related news later on. 
that came out before uh, Comic-Con. So I'm sure maybe we'll get um, a clip or, or a trailer, hopefully, or some other news on Invisible Season 2 uh, uh, during this weekend. Next up. All righty, I would pull a Doctor Who story. Doctor Who in Kutigawa's 15th Doctor has been revealed. So an official Doctor Who image has been released, which provides fans with a special look at Nkuti Gatwa's 15th Doctor ahead of season 14. So uh, it was featured on the official Doctor Who Twitter account. The image shows uh, Nkuti Gatwa's 15th Doctor wearing a fedora while looking off into the distance. The 15th Doctor is also shown with the same clothes as seen in his original costume reveal, wearing a brown checkered suit and an orange jumper. So I try to say that with the with the slight British accent at the end, a British an orange jumper. <laughs> so I uh, quick correction before we get any kind of emails as well is pronounced shooty. Oh shooty! Well, it's my first time ever encountering his right. name as the non-Hoovian. Look, I am a Hoovian, but I did not know it because I was saying in Kuti uh, when in previous articles. So you're not alone. But I happened to look up a. Um, a pronunciation yeah well no so, actually uh he i think it was a video he did and he pronounced it himself so I'm oh like, what is this shooty yeah okay i think it's yeah it's a little bit yeah it's a little bit more of a you know the blending of the n and the c shooty shooty okay yeah but last name got it <laughs> of uh the the next season doctor who season four wraps filming as um RTD Russell T Davies uh, has uh, confirmed on Instagram. Um, there's an image of himself on sets. Uh, if you're seeing the the uh, video version, uh, you are seeing said uh, Instagram I- um, Instagram image. Which why does the one person in the uh, in the crowd looks like Michael Chiklis? <laughs> I do not know, but a. Hey, there you go. You see, I guess, uh, some of the crew and the the um, the iconic uh, Titus uh, in the background there at uh, Bad Wolf Studios, uh, and says uh, that's a wrap. So there you go. Season fourteen on the way to season Kute's Kute's debut, which is probably at the end of uh, this, the the uh, uh, the last episode, whenever that comes about. Next up, though, per Variety, three anonymous insiders say the Warner Brothers film group is strongly considering delaying Dune Part 2 to 2024 amid the ongoing strikes in Hollywood. One source explains that Warner Brothers and co-producer Legendary Entertainment would have to agree on a new release date for the anticipated sci-fi feature. Another source claims that the Dune sequel is still on track for to release in November as planned and that there have been no formal discussions. So there has been no, uh, you know, further comment. So that said, Dune apparently, Dune Part 2 is apparently not the only Warner Brothers film facing a potential release date shift. Variety further reports that the studio is also considering new dates for The Color Purple and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. It's similar to the Dune situation because this is a result of the ongoing Writers Guild of America and Screen Actors Guild strikes. Yes, the spice will flow, and God's going to tell you something probably at a later date. Aquaman ain't got nothing for that one. Next up, though, um, 
I don't know if Agent Seventy has been keeping up with or has watched the 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 um, current episode uh, of this show. But my adventures with Superman explores a dark twist to um, Clark's power evolution. I don't know how dark. Well, I was about to say I don't know what I was about to say I don't know what uh, episode I don't know I, I forgot I know we talked about Wendy's release, but I'm up to I, at least I thought I was up to date because I I've, I've watched three episodes so far. Yep, you're up to date. Oh, okay, because about tomorrow. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, so I'm up to date. So I understand now and i won't be spoiled by this article right so and i don't know how dark that is but yeah i can see that there's implications of it but um this is definitely uh and a, a slightly different take on uh the superman mythos um if you've seen voltron uh the legend the legendary adventures or whatever it was called that was on netflix this feels like it has not just the art style, but has probably as much in common with that than this because of the the, the reimagining of the characters mm-hmm. uh, to a point. Not to say it's not good or not, because it's actually it's, it's kind of fun, but it's a different take, and so certain things are very much different, and I'm kind of curious about a couple of things in it, but um, kind of lighter toned, you know? Uh, but yeah, good stuff if you're, you're interested in it. I don't know, I'm still... Not a hundred percent on on Superman Superman's voice voice. The Clark voice is fine, but I mean it's playing by the same character also, but it's not that much different than the the Clark voice. Um, which you know sometimes happens, but you know I'm not saying it's a bad voice or anything like that. It's just like it's just different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. But yeah, if you get a chance to check it out, you should. It's a, it's not bad, not a bad show. Next up, though. Alrighty, so uh, Margot Robbie, when she was trying to convince the studio that her vision for this film, Barbie, would lead to financial success, she pitched that the movie could bring in one billion dollars at the worldwide box office. While that remains to be seen, that was one of the way one of the things that she pitched to try to get Greta Gerwig on as director. Hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? Right. <laughs> D- depending on who you are, the 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 execs are going to uh, either go with it or they won't. Yep. So, yep, 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 yep. Uh, I have this is I did not also me and the wife did not also go and see this has this premiered to today because apparently the wife just kind of I don't know if she forgot about it, but if if there was more interest in it, then we probably would have gone and seen it. And I would have told you how bonkers this movie probably actually is. If probably. You know, all right, now we're getting into the anime corner. Sword Art Online Alternative, Gun Gale Online uh, is getting a season two. There, folks, if, if you did not know, uh, Sword Art Online, and some of y'all do know, because clearly y'all are watching these things, there's a few different shows. Um, actually, there's only a couple of them, but they, they run long. This is a spinoff of, I guess, those last couple, and apparently this one is doing enough <laughs> to get a, a season two, so cool. Um, I was going to read the uh, the synopsis of this, but I figured like those of y'all are out there kind of know about Sword Art Online and this offshoot. 
uh, enough to where I don't have to. Next up. All righty. So after the first slam dunk and Suzume battled it out at the Japanese box office during the start of 2023, the first slam dunk has finally come out on top, passing the Makoto Shinkai film this weekend at the Japanese box office with over 14.8 billion yen made. So as of July 17th, the first slam dunk has brought in 14.83 billion yen billion yen which is over 111 uh, million u.s dollars with more than 10.29 million tickets sold so in comparison to to suzume which ended its run in japan on may 27th grossing 14.79 billion yen okay uh i have not um i gotten into the 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 slam dunk stuff yet uh, I understand that the original Slam Dunk TV anime aired from 1993 to 1996, with four anime films being spun off. Uh, you can catch an on-demand replay of the TV anime on Crunchyroll. Not a sponsor, but a tool that we have at our yeah. disposal. So, um, you know, that's cool. Yes, yeah, so, uh, some would say that Slam Dunk was probably one of the first good uh popular i guess sports animes out there right right and i understand that it was very influential in making basketball very popular in japan and in asia uh obviously this is in the wake of the uh, original dream team yeah yep yep so yeah there is that um next up though Hayao uh, Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron film unveils cast, staff, story, uh, and a North American theatrical release date. Um, and that date is later this year. Nice. So this is, um, yeah, it's called The um, Boy and the Heron, or, and I'm not going to butcher the Japanese pronunciation of this, but uh, the English pronunciation is How Do You Live? Um, I could try it, but I will not. <laughs> um, but yeah, story takes place during World War II. I believe, as we talked, spoke about last week, uh, it's got an IMAX release in Japan on uh, Friday, uh, and it's going to get a simultaneous IMAX release. Uh, it is the first one to get a, uh, an IMAX release. And uh, also filmed in Dolby Atmos, Dolby Cinema, and DTXX. Um, yeah. I believe it's uh, Miyazaki's, uh, Hayao's, Hayao's Miyazaki's last film. Cause, right. Because you say Miyazaki, you might think of his son, who's also doing his own stuff. But not really uh, this in this case. Next up. All right, so we are transitioning over to manga. Is there manga? I didn't scroll down yet. Nope, there is. You're right. And also... All righty, so first up, Hajime no Ippo manga passes 100 million copies printed. So 34 years have passed. And new volumes of George Morikawa's hugely popular and influential manga, Hajime no Ippo, continue to release, with the latest volume being its 138th on July 14th. The series confirmed that over 100 million copies have been printed physically and sold digitally. Morikawa drew a celebratory image that was featured in Weekly Shonen Magazine, while Kodansha celebrated with giant banners on its building. Congratulations. 
Indeed, indeed. Uh, Naruto manga returns. Why did I say it like that? Don't ask. Returns with a special Minato uh, one shot uh, that apparently this article may uh, have a link to. So yeah, there's a new uh, Naruto one shot. It's live in English. The manga uh, turns its focus is on Minato, who is the fourth. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Da, 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 da. Yep, the fourth Hokage, uh, who was chosen to get their own one shot after a global poll ranked Minato as the fandom's top choice. Um, since the poll ended, Kishimoto has been working hard on the extended one shot, and it is live now for your perusal. So there you go. Uh, believe it. It looks like it's on. Da, 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 da. It's on Manga Plus. Looks like according to this article, and it's probably elsewhere if you're resourceful enough to find it. Next up, Golden Kamui author Satoru Noda's ice hockey manga title has been revealed. <laughs> Young Jump magazine recently revealed plans to launch a new ice hockey manga by Golden Kamui author Satoru Noda, but at the time it didn't have an official title but now the name of the manga has been revealed as dogs red which is still set to debut in the next issue of the magazine on july 27th so uh yeah ice hockey that was a i just want people to know that it was a perfectly coincident perfect uh coincidence that uh agent seven year is getting the sports related uh anime manga news of course <laughs> But also perfect. Uh, Hunter Hunter is now we're going over into the toy corner um, with some Hunter uh, with some news that uh, Hunter Hunter is giving Gon the Funko he deserves, which you wouldn't you would think Gon would have had uh, um, uh, um, a Funko at this store. I'm pretty sure he does, but this particular one, which is a, a San Diego Comic Con exclusive, uh, apparently. It's called uh, Awaken Gone if you're watching the video version and it looks like he's got too much of the hair grease but or and or he's gone Super Saiyan but without the color hair color change. Uh, looks weird. But hey, Hunter Hunter fans, re- rejoice, I guess. Next up. All right, so last week we talked about this on the show because I believe the trailer dropped the exact day we were recording last week, last Thursday. A new trailer for Godzilla Minus One came out last week which gave Godzilla fans like myself and Roddy Cat their our first look at Toho's newest film. This is the Japanese version. So the movie known as Godzilla Minus One will be set in post-war Japan. The trailer was actually very short with no plot details revealed. The movie, as we said last week, is scheduled to hit theaters in December, shortly after the new design for Godzilla was revealed and merchandise was quick to follow. We mentioned this, but now we actually have images to show you our viewing audience over on youtube everyone listening to this show via podcast make sure to hit up our youtube feed take a look at what we're showing right now or you can just take a look at our show notes and find this uh, website um uh, this toy arc article which has really great photos of this new Godzilla design. You can tell they are very Japanese. This is not. This is absolutely not the legendary version of Godzilla. But I can see some influence. 
from the legendary version on this, specifically in the draw and in the forehead structure. But uh, it's still very much the Japanese version of Godzilla. This movie uh, is releasing December 1st. Yes. Um, also, um, while we're here, uh, hey, check out the clickbait section in the show notes because there is an article that um, that I exposed, Agent 72, uh, from Wired, um, who did a little, uh, did one of those, hey, answers questions from the internet uh, type situations with Todd McFarlane. The reason why I'm bringing this up, because the side panel has a bunch of McFarlane toys for, for sale. Uh, Toy Arc is not a sponsor or anything. Just If you're watching the video version, you're just going to see that. But that just kind of reminded me of that. Hey, that that article is in the show notes. I mean, excuse me, that video with Todd McFarlane is in the show notes, and it is uh, quite amusing on several fronts. Uh, next up, though, what's going on here? I do not know. Um, making me nervous. Last Ronin, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, the last Ronin Ultimate Footbot, Raphael, and Karai figures unveiled with uh, Savanti Romero. Uh, so, yeah, so some figures came out, uh, was announced last uh, at Toy Fair last year. Nika uh, unveiled the first figure of their Ultimates figures based on the 2020 miniseries of uh, the, the Last Ronin, uh, you know, uh, which coincidentally, yeah, we talked about it, uh, something else in that world. Um, so yeah, the, the aforementioned um, characters got figures and it seems that uh, they are uh, $59 plus and I guess they're out there for pre-order um at this point uh for Varita. I don't know who Savanti Romero is, but uh I'm just scrolling through this article and there's a couple of pictures that you can see. There's the foot. There's I guess who that is. Yeah. And there you go. Next up. Alrighty. Ubi how do you pronounce it? Is it Ubisoft? Ubisoft, yes. Ah, Ubisoft. Right? Uh, Ubisoft has announced that it's collaborating with Skybound, the publisher, to create a video game based on the Invincible comic book series. So last year, Skybound teased that it was in the process of working on games associated with the Invincible franchise, which has uh, expanded greatly in recent years, obviously thanks to its TV adaptation on Prime Video. Now Invincible is set to finally branch out into the video game space thanks to this Ubisoft partnership. And it was revealed on Ubisoft's own website. Uh, let's see if there are dates. Um, so currently gameplay has not been shown off. The title is Invincible Guarding the Globe. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's a tease because, you know, it takes a while. It doesn't have a specific launch date. But Ubisoft has said that the game will be releasing, quote unquote, soon. Yep, it is kind of funny you mentioned that because that UB Ubi thing has been going on for decades at this point. <laughs> but it is, it is definitely Ubisoft. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, an invisible video game at long last. Cool gameplay trailer for Hellboy Web of Surd or Seared. I don't know which one is that. Um, 
says Upstream Arcade and Good Shepherd Entertainment has released a new gameplay trailer for the aforementioned Hellboy game video game. Um, according to this article, the game looks like a ton of fun. Again, according to this article, I have not watched the trailer itself. I don't know if the Hellboy fan amongst us, um, amongst the panel, would be interested in this if they have seen this already. But who knows? Uh, this is coming out on all platforms. And apparently, ah, Lance Reddick provides the voice of head, uh, Hellboy in the game. Huh. R.I.P. Uh, Lance Reddick. Um, it doesn't, there's no date on when this is, it may be in the trailer, though. So, next up. Get the hell out of here with the price point. Uh-huh. I told you it was crazy. Damn, I did not realize this. I had seen video of this. So... There is a new RoboSen and Hasbro collaboration. It is a transforming me, Grimlock, is a masterpiece of technology engineering, but it is an expensive $1,699 collectible. Wow. And voiced by the original voice of Grimlock, by the way. Wow. If you thought the $700 robotic Optimus Prime was cool, and obviously now you need to get the trailer, which is another, you know, pretty penny to boot, because it also transforms. Mm-hmm. Right? So you get Optimus, you get the trailer, and if you still got money left over, lucky you, you can pick up the seventeen hundred dollar RoboSen Hasbro Grimlock. Holy cow! Who? Oh, and uh, speaking of the Optimus, um, so Agent Seventy saw this. So if you haven't seen the, uh, the 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 video for this, it's pretty cool. I I really really would, would like this. I ain't got the kind of scratch. Uh, it comes with uh, the, the Grimlock crown, like I said, uh, voiced by the original voice of Grimlock from the from from the uh, from the animated series. Uh, apparently, the Grimlock and the Optimus can like um, work together or do things together. Uh, the, the way they have it set up, if you have both of them, if you got enough money to have both of them, you, you congratulations, I guess. Yes, good for you. Uh, but yeah, they go through and they go through the the commands you can give it and what it could do and and. Um, Holy crap! Yeah. He does walk in robot mode. Don't you? Oh my goodness! He shuffles. Oh, he he walks in dinosaur mode. Oh my god! Yeah, and they even go through the you know the, all the servos and whatnot that that they use to animate them. And you should see the animation because it's pretty much animate. I mean, it pretty much transforms just like he did in the um. Almost just like he did in the um the cartoon. In, in the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fucking nice. Wow. That is crazy. Yo. Wow. Yeah. So if you're watching the video version, you'll see me going through the, the, the slides. Um He's approximately the same height. Basically the same height as Optimus too. Mm-hmm. I mean Optimus I think is taller because the image they show is has his legs wider, but uh, yeah, they're they're of, uh, approximately the same height. Right. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So they mentioned it's like yeah, Grimlock is gonna be, will will work with your other other auto transforming uh, 
uh, all the other Transformers in the line. I'm saying like, there's only one other. What are you talking about? And then uh, that, which made me think, who are they going to do next? So clearly, you don't say something like that, and they're not, you know, they're not um, bring somebody else on the line. At some point, they're probably going to do some Decepticons. If they come up with a, a sound wave, I'm going to be mad because I'm probably going to try to some way, some way, somehow try to get that. That is funny as hell. They're going to do a sound wave because that would probably be the easiest one to do, the, the one of the easier ones to do, to do transforming wise. So that is if not, funny send, as hey, hell. Hey, rub us in. Send, send us some samples if you don't mind, you know. Review purposes. I mean, that's yeah, that that's a lot. You know what, Robosen did a Bumblebee, uh, but it's not a transforming Bumblebee. Right. I, I had to look that up. I'm like, wait, they did a they did a Bumblebee? Yes, they did. It's just not a transforming one. It does have uh, some of the similar aspects in that. Uh, you know, it'll respond to commands and whatnot. But that'll probably be the likely next one they do if they do it. Well, when they do another one, because you can't. I <laughs> they they're not going to stop with these two. I, I suspect. Right. Right, right, right. Um, Hasbro revealed Star Wars Con exclusive figures Black Chrysanthemum. Yes, I'm going to continue to call him Black Chrysanthemum. And Starkiller. Chrysanthemum! I'm kidding. That's what I call them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The. Oh, um. Black Crescenton is a Walmart uh, exclusive figure at Walmart later this year, but for this SDCC edition, he comes with a, in a cooler display box with a collector-grade deco, 14 accessories, including extra hands, and will be 40 bucks. Uh, Starkiller comes with 16 accessories, force energy circle, lightning hands, and both Jedi and Sith lightsabers, because you could do that with that character, and you'll be able to pick one up for 120 hundred and eleven dollars uh and of course they they talk about going through the motions and picking one up at uh san diego comic-con yeah good luck for those who are out there shout out to matt wang next up uh spider-man the animated series marvel Legends series mary jane watson and green goblin two-pack is uh out there in the wild now it's being sold as a pulse exclusive from hasbro and you can take a look at this article to look at in-hand images of the of uh, of this adaptation of these adaptations of the animated 90s uh series so yeah that's you know listen if you are a uh a purist for the animated style these are pretty faithful adaptations Yes, and not to be confused with Tupac, who apparently they there's some news on that case. Oh recently. no. Um, <laughs> um, speaking of Walmart and uh, Marvel Legends, uh, there's an exclusive six arm Spider Man and Morbius Tupac, uh, which is the third Walmart 2023 Summer uh, Collector Con uh, set. Uh, which was revealed. Uh, go up for pre-order. Actually, it ha- is on pre-order now because it came out a couple of days ago, and of course, fifty bucks because it's a two-pack. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see um, the figures. Not necessarily thirty-two forms of uh, parts of pe- uh, pieces of articulation, but it's got a lot. Uh, shout out to Todd McFarlane. <laughs> exactly. 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 
<laughs> All right. So new merchandise from Marvel Studios' upcoming animated revival, X-Men 97, confirms that the Sentinels will be back to hunt the X-Men. So, um, you know, you can see the 12-inch Sentinel figure from the Hasbro Titan Hero line. Um, you know, the pictures of it. So that's pretty cool that, uh, you know, you have these larger uh, Sentinels. And because they're 12-inch scale, you can actually, you know, kind of sub them in as like sm- the smaller version of the Sentinels, which, you know, have been in the comics before to uh, menace your six-inch characters. Right. Um, and I guess in lieu of that one gigantic uh one that has proposed put on sale uh, a while back right that's yeah uh, unobtainable to a lot of people but anyway uh now we get into some comic book news right in non-surprising mcuification news that is an editorial comment from agent underscore 70 mm-hmm. hey guess what folks miss marvel will be back in short order um and it will have a new comic book series thanks to um actually uh uh Iman Vellani uh, excuse me who who plays the live action version of uh, Miss Marvel and um what is his name Sabir Prasada it is a four issue limited series again like I said co-written by Iman Vellani uh that is called Miss Marvel the New Mutants and if the name of that doesn't give you any idea of what's going to ha- what's going to uh, be the revelation in that uh, um, in, in that book, then you haven't seen the show Miss Marvel, <laughs> because the same revelation pretty much comes out there at the near the end. Cue the X Men ninety seven ninety five uh, music, but yeah. Uh, also, I think um, before I read the quote of this, I think uh, it says here that. Um, there's going to be some sort of reveal during the, yep, as as rumored and uh, speculated by some folks, uh, fans will learn the truth about the uh, Kamala, Kamala's uh, mutant in human identity uh, in the X Men Hellfire during the X Men Hellfire Gala, which is likely when she is going to be uh, undeaded. <laughs> Her status will be back amongst the living again. A uh, quote uh, from Miss Villani. Uh, it was actually a very humbling experience to work with. In my- oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. This is from um, Sabir. That's not the quote I was looking for. This was way scarier than joining the MCU for me, uh, said Iman Villani. Those projects feel like they live in their own dimension, which they do. Uh, so I guess I can separate myself easier. But you can hold a comic book. I've never written anything before in my entire life, but I have read many comics. So I just wrote what I would want to read, which... Prevailing wisdom. Right. Um, I was given a very professional tool to write what is essentially my own fanfic, just like Kamala. Aha. Um, and then there's a quote from uh, the co-writer uh, uh, Sabin, excuse me, Sabir uh, Brazada. It was actually a very humbling experience to work with Man because she knows her comics even better than I do, and that's saying something. Mm. <laughs> She was throwing out references to specific comics that came out uh, before either of us were born. She has a very great eye for what makes a good sequence on the page as drawn by an artist. It was very impressive to me to see her throughout all of these references to different artists that she's been following through the years. 
So, you know, this is a Marvel.com article, so you, know, you kind of got to fluff it up a little bit. But none of this was in doubt, given what we have seen, you know, uh, with uh, Iman Vellani, Vellani um, through interviews and such. Not surprising. So uh, this is coming out um, August 30th. Uh, again, if I didn't say so before, it's called Miss Marvel, The New Mutant. Uh, it is a four-issue limited series. Next up. All right. Speaking of Ms. Marvel, and we'll probably talk about this next week, but the new Marvel's trailer literally just dropped within the mm. last several minutes. So yeah, it's, happen. it's out there. That movie's coming out on November 10th, but it's literally out there right now. I was just scrolling and I saw it pop up in my social media feed. All righty. Mm. Next up. So uh, some new art uh, celebrates uh, an upcoming... I don't want to say name change because whoever wrote that it's a name change here is young because, of course, Boy, I'm too old for this shit. what it really is is Kate Pride re-adopting a mantle, a, a code name that she once had, but with a new look. And she's going to be rejoining the X-Men in the upcoming X-Men number 25, which is going to coincide with the fall of X-Era. And what she is doing is Kate is taking on the uh, maybe a new version of the Shadow Cat persona, you know. And I think the uh, you know it's a different spelling apparently with a K as opposed to a C for cat. Um, but bottom line is this is not a foreign concept to Catherine Kitty Pride, but a different look and also dual wielding apparently. Um, hearkening back to uh, some older uh, X-Men comics where uh, Kitty was trained in the ways of ninjutsu by the hand itself. Yeah, I was going to say that. So, yeah, this is eh, not a bad look. Sure. <laughs> and, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's not that, like, yeah. Yeah, this this person, whoever wrote this, clearly is young. <laughs> it was like, wait, how do you? Because when I saw this, I'm like, wait, it's not. It's not a new code name, technically. Right, but if it is a K, it technically is. But it is the same. It, it's 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 in the. Come on, people. Like I said, Boy, I'm too old for this shit. So, yeah, Russell. There's a trading card variant by Russell Dowderman. So yeah, that's good shit. And in fact, that's where this. Uh, if you're watching the video version, that's where the um, the art uh, for this came from. Uh, I guess. Yeah, uh, issue 25 trading card cover featuring Shadow Cat with a K. Meow. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, um, Marvel Comics presents The Death of Moon Knight. I meant to put some effect on my voice for that, but it's late. Uh, it's a new story arc with dramatic repercussions for uh, in Jed McKay and Alessandro Capuccio's run, which kicks off in October's Moon Knight number 28. So not far long are they actually going to kill them or i mean it's not like the character hadn't died before so it's not right you know what but we'll see we figured this this recent story uh has been leading up to something so i wouldn't i this did not shock me none the least <laughs> and not going to get in sense about it like with like with kamala because this character has been around a long time and has died right so but yeah, um, like I said, Moon is going to run from uh, Moon Knight uh, 28 to 30th. Um, 
You'll see Moon Knight in a deadly race to intercept the Black Scepter before his apocalyptic schemes bears fruit. Yada yada. I believe the Scarlet Scarab, by the way, uh, has um, has been revealed. Was that was that this week? Or was that last week's? Thing? What's that? Um, um, Moon Knight last week. Scarlet Scarab. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Moon Knight book out this week that neither of us read, but it's not in. Right. Uh, it's not the main uh, series. Right, and I was thinking of was that the one where the where 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 the um where the new Scarlet Scarab popped up at or not? But uh, MCUification. Yep, pretty much. Moving right along. It's oh, nice. No, it is this week actually. Uh, Moon Knight: City of the Dead, which came out this week, because there is a variant cover with a Scarlet Scarab. Actually, I don't know if Scarlet Scarab's in it, but I think no, there is because I think I read the the um the flavor text about it. So yeah, I think there is okay. a new. Scarlet Scarab in that book. Right. I was about to say that female character that was introduced in the MCU pops up in last week's up in last week's issue. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's why that maybe that's why the oh that's why I'm thinking that. I gotcha. But I think this one might be male. I don't know if they're going that way. I have to read the actual book. Maybe I'll read the book and and find out for actually sure. But we're going to move on to the next uh, next bit of uh, news. Right. Isn't it nice serendipity that I got this one? Mad Cave is set to publish Gotcha Man comics, and these new stories will stay true to the classic anime. Mad Cave Studios has inked a deal with Japanese animation studio Tatsunoko Production to publish new comic books based on the 1970s anime Gotcha Man for adults and teens. While the stories will be new, they will be set in the world of the original anime series. The first title will be released in 2024. The full name is, of course, Science Ninja Team Gotcha Man, and it's it's amazing that this was created in 1972. Wow! Hey, right, and, exactly. And you know what's funny is that obviously we you know, that predates both of us, but the first Gotcha Man series was re least in english in a heavily edited form i love that this is written this way a heavily edited form as how i remember it battle of the planets in 1978 and roddy mm-hmm. cat remembers the second part and later as g-force guardians in space in 1986 i remember battle of the planets so fondly i remember both of them because battle of the planets came on came on tbs uh, mm-hmm. And then when I would, uh, you know, um, at least that's where I saw it. Right. Um, it would it go because I didn't have cable up until later. But um, when I was at a place where I could see cable, I definitely was up watching that uh, up, up early. And yeah, G-Force, uh, which ugh, I hate that version. The the um, I can't remember who was behind that version. And it's probably just as well. But yeah, that came on Saturday morning cartoons in, uh, in 86. That is the worst version of it. I will go from the say Battle of Planets. Awesome. G-Force. Seven Zark Seven. Yes. Then there is part of the reason why it wasn't so bad. Why it wasn't so great. But it was. I love Seven Zark Seven, but I was also very, very young watching this. But see, but yeah, and I get that because that's what, that's why they did it. In fact, in fact, I think Secret Galaxy, a.k.a. the formerly known as Toy Galaxy, Toy Galaxy kind of did a thing on, um, uh, Battle of the Planets uh, previously, so you could probably look that up. I'll probably put it in the show notes. Uh, Science Team Gotcha Man, love that show. I had I was looking around because I know I have the um, the anime the the box set somewhere around here. That's and I believe it is on Crunchyroll. Actually, I think I might be I may or may not be wrong about that, but um, 
The last thing I'll say about this is uh, we don't get Mad Cave uh, books, but if anyone from Mad Cave is out there, um, holla at us because we would love to absolutely uh, check these books out and review them. Because yes. You have two fans of the of the material right here. Yes, yes, yes. You know where you can actually watch Gotcha Man? Amazon Prime. Like... Oh yeah. Okay. I I, I know. I I I was about to say. I remember looking. Uh, I remember seeing it, and it is on Amazon Prime. It might actually also be on. Hulu. Oh, is it on Hulu? I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not sure. No, no, no. You you're probably right, but um. But um, I feel like I've seen it somewhere else. Out. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I could be wrong about Prime. I I didn't. I'm actually not looking it up on um on. I might actually be right though. Um, so I'm actually going to open up the app and look while Roddy Cat moves on to the next story. Well, I was sitting up here looking looking it up on Crunchyroll. We <laughs> <laughs> both. Uh, we're kind of do some fact checking here. We're just like, wait a second, uh, let us let us confirm because I, I I distinctly recall being able to watch it. So right, it's out there somewhere, definitely. Right, right, so, right, right. but uh, I know the new Gotcha Man. There is a new Gotcha Man, Gotcha Man Crowds. Okay, that is definitely on um, Crunchyroll, which that's a totally different, not a totally different. It is a definitely a different thing from the original Gotcha Man premise. Kind of sort of is there, but it goes in a totally different direction. Right, 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 right. I remember watching that. Uh, the original is, doesn't seem to be on uh, Crunchyroll, though, which that's a damn shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's on Prime. You can watch okay. 12 episodes on Prime. Just 12? Yeah. Damn, there's like 100. There's yeah, 100. yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I remember being able to watch more. Right. But hey, twelve is twelve better than nothing. But still, right. that's 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 a damn shame. That's not out there, boy. But that's a case to get the uh, the the physical set, I guess. In certain cases. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like I said, Matt Cave, holla at us. Um, we'll be glad to check this out. Um, but we got some time. We'll have to try to find a way to get in contact with them. Um, like like you said, first title is twenty twenty four. I love me some gotcha man. <laughs> really yeah, no, that's tr- trust me. I that 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 is one, like I have like warm memories of watching that battle of the planet stuff, and even and especially with Seven Zark Seven and the female voice, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, there, there, there's a clip you should get. Dun, 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 dun. I have it. I was about to say I'm pretty sure I have that music clipped, but I'm going to definitely try to get that now and add that to our anime uh, intro. So, thanks shout for thanks for the peace. reminder. Yeah, I, shout out and rest in peace to MF Doom, who also sampled that uh, that that piece of music quite well. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, anyway, Skybound kicks off Universal Monsters license with Dracula miniseries by James Tinian the Fourth and Martin Simmons. Uh, so Skybound's got the properties now, huh? Uh, um. Let's see what they do with them. Uh, Four-issue miniseries, which will feature a number of the characters from the original 1931 film, will launch on October 25th. Some time for Halloween, of course. 2023, with the main cover by Simmons and variant cover by Joshua Middleton. Uh, The miniseries is first of several planned limited series featuring the Universal Monsters. While Skybound didn't announce uh, any other titles or creators, they did say that the comics will have variant covers by artists including Joshua Middleton, Francis Manipole, uh, Julian Totino Tedesco, 
and Jenny Friesen. Friesen. So um, if there's not a, a Monster Serial cover for any of those, uh, you're doing something wrong. Anyway, there's that. Next up. Uh, do me a favor, jump in, because I accidentally just closed the sheet. Okay. Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness is getting a sequel comic in Army of Darkness Forever's. Um, so yeah, the story will pick up with both the original ending of Army of Darkness and the series finale of Ash vs. the Evil Dead. The story takes place across three timelines. Uh, it was announced by AIPT Comics um, and is being produced by Dynamite Entertainment. Who says Dynamite is proud to present a new series from Tony Fleeks, uh, Stray Dogs, with Justin Greenwood from Stumptown? That is a direct sequel to how many fans believe the films should have ended. Uh, this October, Army of Darkness Forever number one begins to explore what could have been. There you go. Army of Darkness fans, uh, Evil Dead fans, rejoice. Next up. All righty. So I, I'll, I'll jump in and take, uh, take this story. Um, TMNT's Dark Future reveals Donatello's tragic final fate. So apparently this is a uh, part of the Armageddon video game. So there are a number of possible endings for the Teenage Mutant no. Ninja Turtles. Oh, no, it's a board game? Is, no, no, this is a, a, a book. Oh, it's a book. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, the Armageddon game book. I apologize. I apologize, folks. I was scanning this article and I couldn't remember uh, that this is, in fact, uh, a title of one of the uh, ongoing uh series turtle series it's easy to see why you would think it would be such though so it's not a problem (laughs) right so readers can glimpse one of these unexpected outcomes in teenage mutant ninja turtles the armageddon game the alliance number four okay and this (laughs) is uh it's now available from idw publishing is that this week uh this week yeah because there was a couple of turtles books that came out this week might have been this week or last week okay um, Power Rangers debuts slight hyperbole here, based on thanks to this article. Jaw dropping new armor for originals '90s uh, Rangers. Again, hyperbole. Uh, this is spoilers for Power Rangers Unlimited, the coinless number one, which I think came out this week or last week. There was a Power Rangers book out this week. I can't remember if this if that was this one because I'm not up on that stuff yet. Regardless, uh, apparently, um. There's some new armor. I think this is it. Uh, if you're um, uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see this. So if you know anything about that universe, there was a there's a lot went on. That's why I'm not up on it because I kind of lost the thread after after one of the events. But basically, the former bad guy has a set of Power Rangers, um, and they have armor. And I believe this is the armor that you see. Um, that you see uh, in the the um, video version, if you're also watching, which you should sometime. So they they look good. I wouldn't say jaw dropping though. Next up though, mm, I was about to say apparently Gotcha Man streaming is not available on Prime. I just tried opening; it's not opening. Oh, yeah, okay. not fun. I'm I'm sure there's 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 in other um, <laughs> properties in, in other territories. That um yes. that might Yeah, yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta figure that one out, folks. But sucks here, so <laughs> last but not least, 
Actually, not last, but oh, not last. I just reload. I was about to say I just opened this sheet. Uh, no, there was one in the very cover, but but that's it's real quick. Don't worry about it. Okay, so next to last but not least, <laughs> the DC booth is returning to the San Diego Comic Con floor. And we have here an article that has panels, screenings, and exclusives updated uh, just a little while ago. So, yeah, guess what, folks? Um, DC has a lot of stuff. There is, uh, you can get a Helm Sandman Helm Masterpiece Edition of the trade paperbacks. That looks kind of cool. You can get a blue and gray Batman McFarlane Toys uh, variant. So this is a 30th anniversary gold label action figure exclusive to San Diego Comic-Con. That's actually pretty cool looking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, lots of other cool things. You know, uh, Mr. Freeze. Wow, that is a definitely a different looking Mr. Freeze. I've never seen that version of Mr. Freeze. Wow. Before. It looks like a My Hero Academia character. Right. Looks like, yeah, it looks like he's going for a space walk also. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah, and other stuff. There's a you know, there's a um, a Dark Knight version of the Joker, mm-hmm. uh, Heath Leather style, right? And a Bane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. That looks and, pretty cool. Wait, is this a freeze version of of? Yeah. Okay. Of of, of the Joker. That's interesting look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, what you yes. call it. Uh, uh, what's a uh, uh, a Dread Lantern figure? Yeah, version. Yeah. From? from Dark Knight's Metal. Okay. Oh, okay. That's the thing I did not read. Okay. Um, the 85th anniversary Superman there scrolling through. Uh, and, of course, a, a listing of the panels uh, to this date. So, you know, hey, Panic is going on at this point. If you're not there, you're here, like us. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, what news we get is hotly coming, as as, you, as we've been hearing throughout the show. Right, that five hour time difference, man. But uh, but like we said, you know, we're, we're, we will probably have a much more comprehensive uh, uh, look at the news that dropped at san diego comic-con despite the ongoing sag aftra and wga strikes and we'll definitely be looking at a little behind the scenes looking at that marvel trailer after we finish wrapping up which will be in the next probably five to ten minutes yep. so uh last but not least new disney 100 variant covers revealed for the rest of 2023 um these covers are uh, homages to incredibly important and famous covers for X-Men, Avengers, Spider-Man, and more, according to this article, which um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you have um, you've seen me showcase a few of those uh, when talking about Amazing Spider-Man. Um, actually, yeah, the last few Amazing Spider-Man books, but apparently there is more because the last three will be released in October, November, and December. Um with Amazing Spider-Man 35, 37, and 39, uh, respectively. And you can see, uh, as I click off of that, you can see me scroll through that. And this uh, Secret Wars cover, which is pretty cool. And this X-Men, X-Men one also, by the way. Uh, But yeah, you can see those covers right there as being the last three um, for that. Disney Marvel Synergy at its best. If there's not an animated thing for for this at some point, I don't know what to tell you. 
should be. And in that, folks, is the end of the news. Uh, can we get one last ad read? Well, we actually have a little bit of Toy Corner oh, this week. Sweet. Just yeah. a little, just a little, just a little. So I will turn off my virtual background just for a quick second and show everyone what I obtained this week. That being um, the latest version of Commander Rogers, the, uh, the identity that Steve Rogers took on when he first um, uh, kind of regained the super soldier serum um, after, uh, you know, kind of being uh, depowered, as it were, for a little while. And uh, he took on the Commander Rogers persona. We did have a previous iteration of this character in Marvel Legends, but now we have an updated version, and I just got it. It's actually pretty cool. There it is without the uh, ring light glare. And, uh, yeah, this box is, you know, look, there's the Mike Diodato uh, rendition of the Commander Rogers from that Secret Avengers run from way back when. Here's another. uh, Here's the back of it. It does come with the Amadeus Cho head for the Build-A-Figure. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. And there's a, you know, there's a, a look at the Amadeus Cho Build-A-Figure with a, a guide as to which characters have which parts, which parts of him as the uh, Build-A-Figure. And I will say that, um, again, folks, this is an ongoing uh, joke here on the Comic Book Chronicles that we... As a collective panel, you know, as a collective panel, we can all kind of say this now. Because the Secret Avengers run is a long time ago now. Yes. Yes, it is. And all I right. vaguely remember if I've actually even read that. I feel like I have, but I don't remember if I do it or not. So right. that might be. It's a long, long time ago now. And that was a kind of scary. correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like issues or something? No, no, not longer than that, but it wasn't, you know, you know, like, well, you know what's scary is that Infinity, remember how we loved Infinity? Oh, yeah. That's from 2013. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, our sense of time, and this is also something that we've talked about, you know, and, and I'm sorry to extend the show just a, a minute or two, but the pandemic really did screw with our sense of time. But so, it got us some nice, good content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that is true. That is true. But it definitely screwed with our sense of time because, you know, all that time when we were not getting, you know, we were, when we were doing evergreen content for the show, we weren't getting new content from the books, and you know, and and, and with the delays, you know, uh, inherent to that. So you know, and it's just hard to remember sometimes how long it's been since we read these stories, and it's amazing. It's amazing that that was 10 years ago, that Infinity story. Um, oh, wow. Okay, Secret Avengers was 2010 to 2012. And yeah, exactly, because that was pre-Infinity. That's that's why I said right. that's even longer. Right, and it went through Free Itself, which... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, anyway, but that's cool. That's cool. I, I kind of actually want to read this, but this is... Yeah. All right. Our last ad read of the night is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the the Keep Our Podcast Free link 
at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or, as I just did, Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Now remember, if you shop at Amazon often, bookmark the link or add it as your homepage so that you can help the CSPN each time you order. We thank you for your support. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today! All right, folks, that is it for this particular uh, episode of the show. Again, um, San Diego Comic-Con is upon us. Uh, news upon news coming out. Here so, you know, if we didn't get to something that you probably uh, saw slash heard, uh, we're recording this on the Monday that, uh, on the Thursday that it starts. So, you know, what we got is what we had. Um, but we will definitely have more next week. Um, maybe even try to get Matt on the show if he's not busy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll reach out. We'll definitely reach out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like that's almost a tradition at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and I hate for it to just be for, for time like this, but you know, hey, we we know he's there. So, and you know, he knows he's there. Uh, anyway, um. Um, I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seven on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com is all the umbrella site they're in. And Big Papa. One Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter. Uh, also CB Cron on Twitter. Uh, uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T H E K L I Q N E T I O N. The Click Nation dot com. And of course, uh, over at comicbook dot com under the name Timothy Adams. Rightness face off. Yes, I was this issue in case you didn't know. Uh, this here podcast, you can find us on the Coastal Podcast Network, that's ESPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Coastal Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and leave us all the positive five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. And of course, um, every Thursday night, you can find us recording mostly every Thursday night, unless there's movement protocol, uh, on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Again, please hit like, subscribe, leave us positive reviews, and make sure to click the notification button so that you know when we are on live recording and broadcasting. Chia. Next week, new show, more uh, San Diego news. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be probably a lot unless I get real lazy with the news. But we'll see what happens. Uh, this has been the Cumber Chronicles. Peace, peace. One and knowing is half the battle. What's on your evil mind?
So in the meantime, I will talk about uh, President Obama's 2023 summer playlist. I just pulled it up on Instagram. No, no, I'm no, kidding. You don't have to. <laughs> Though I am very interested in hearing that. Um, right. I, because it's a mix of uh, of old and new, obviously. I'm just like, wait, I recognize this? And then this is something I do not recognize. Right. Um, right. Maybe. So I love how I love how uh, Janet Jackson's ode to, um, uh, oh my God, what is it? What what is the artist's name? Um, Where did that come from? <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's on uh, President Obama's 2023 summer playlist. Uh, what is? Oh my God! Now I'm gonna have to Google this because I cannot remember because because Janet shouts out this artist. Um, in the song, Joni Mitchell, right? Mitchell. God till it's gone, right? It, you know, so Janet's God till it's gone is on his playlist. And I'm like, oh, because she, because that's obviously an ode to Joni Mitchell, because there's a, you know, obviously it's an ode to the to, to the title of Joni Mitchell's song, and uh, obviously, um, you know, is, is inspired by it. And I forget that Q, I forgot that Q-tip is also on the song. Because he's the one who actually says Johnny Mitchell never lied. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, exactly. I think about it. He produced that song. Exactly. Exactly. Things make sense. I will. I was about to say the one. The one last thing. The one last thing I'll say is, um, I see Doctor Feel Good Love Is a Serious Business by Aretha Franklin on summer playlist. I saw Doctor Feel Good and I was half expecting to see Motley Crue as the artist. Oh. So. No. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> 